It really wasn't a fair fight, was it? He didn't belong out there. He was too small. He was too slow. He was too inexperienced. He was too poorly armed. It wasn't a fair fight for poor Goliath, but there he was, nine feet tall, and in his hand a spear that was thick. But what is that? What is that compared to the name of the Lord? Goliath didn't belong out there, but he didn't know it. He thought he had everything on his side. He thought he had the might. He thought he had the power. He thought he had the experience. He thought he had the weapons. And so he boasted and bragged, didn't he? Am I a dog that you come out at me like this? He said to David. To which David said, yeah, you are a dog. And Goliath got what dogs get when they go up against lion killers. Goliath got what dogs get when they go up against those who hunt down bears. That's what David did. That's what David was. He was a lion killer. He was a bear destroyer. He was the anointed one of the Lord. And so it really wasn't fair for poor Goliath. But no one else thought that, did they? You probably didn't think it when I started the sermon that way. He was too small. He was too inexperienced. That's talking about David, right? That's what all David's brothers thought too. Remember how David came to the battlefield that day, sent by his father because he was too young to actually fight. He was too young to enlist in the battle. And so he came just to visit his brothers. And when he heard Goliath bragging and boasting day after day after day about how he could destroy any of the Israelites, David's brothers got mad at David because little David heard that boast and he said, who is this guy to talk that way about the Lord? And David's brother said, David, go home. You're too small. You're too inexperienced. You don't know what war is all about. All you know is taking care of sheep. But of course, David knew far more than his brothers. David knew far more than Goliath. David knew far more than any of us in this room. David knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. And so it didn't matter how tall he was. It didn't matter how old he was. It didn't matter what weapons he carried because he fought for the Lord. And a man who's nine feet tall is no match for the Lord God. A man who carries a javelin and a sword and a sling, I'm sorry, the sling is the good weapon, but a man who carries a sword and a spear and a javelin is no match for the Lord God and for his anointed one. Lent is for fighters. Remember that today. Lent is about battle, and so throughout Lent, we're going to sing church militant songs. Let's all just get used to that. We're going to sing songs like we just sang, A Mighty Fortress. We're going to sing songs like this, 666, O little flock, fear not the foe, because you are fighters, and Lent is a reminder of that. Lent is a reminder that you are in a fight, and first and foremost, Lent is a reminder that you have a champion in that fight. See, it would be bad news if we were to go out on our own against Satan and against his Goliaths in the world. It would be bad news indeed if I stood up here and said, all right, everybody, take a sword and a spear, each man for himself. But that's not the message of Lent, is it? We do not go out and fight on our own. We do not go out and take on the devil on our own. We are not Israel without David. We are not Israel with Saul. See, Israel had a king, didn't they, who was supposed to fight for them. They had a king like the kings of the other nations who was supposed to defend them. But there was Saul that day hiding in his tent. 
There was Saul who looked at Goliath and thought, he's too big for me. There was Saul who looked at his own armor and his own weapons and said, these are no match for him. You have a better champion. You have a better king on your side, for you have the anointed one, the real David, if you will. Remember how when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, God the Father shouted down from above, this is my beloved son. Do you know what the name beloved is in Hebrew? It's David. When Jesus was baptized, God the Father wanted to make sure that everyone knew, this is David. Here's the real David. Here's the true David. Here's the best David. And so Jesus went up from that river and did exactly what David does. He fought our enemies. Jesus goes out into the wilderness, we hear today. He goes out from the Jordan River, and he's led out there on purpose. His encounter with the devil wasn't an accident. His encounter with the devil was not a mistake. Jesus went into the wilderness on a hunt. He went out looking for a fight. He went out as your champion to defeat your enemy, to defeat the one who would imprison you, who would enslave you, who would trap you in sin and death and fear. And so this year, this Lent, we remember that we are in a fight and that we have a champion. It wasn't a fair battle for Goliath with little David, and it wasn't a fair battle for the devil with Jesus. I mean, did he really think that he could win? He probably did. Did he really suppose that he could tempt the Son of God? There he was talking to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. See how he tries to drive a wedge between Jesus and his Father? If you are the Son of God, you shouldn't be hungry. Get yourself some bread. If you are the Son of God, you shouldn't have to walk around like a normal person. You should do miraculous signs. Here, jump off the roof and see if God will catch you. If you are the Son of God, you shouldn't have to suffer before you enter glory. I'll just give it right to you. Did he really think it would work? He probably did. He probably thought it would work just like Goliath thought he was going to destroy David that day. But see what happens when Goliaths go against the Lord's beloved. See what happens when your beloved champion fights for you. See what happens when the devil comes with all of his guile, with all of his weapons, and is completely owned by Jesus. Jesus doesn't seem to sweat it, does he? Jesus doesn't seem to be distraught, just like little David did not seem to be distraught. For your champion, your champion Jesus, is not a weak, sissy champion. Jesus is not some kind of weakling who doesn't know what he's doing out there in the wilderness. No, he goes out for a fight. He goes out to win. And so he recruits you into that same victory. Jesus went out into the wilderness to win the battle for us. But here's the wonderful thing about our Lord Jesus. He doesn't leave us on the bench. He doesn't leave us in the back seat. He says, all right, now get up here with me. Let's go plunder the enemy. That's what the Israelites did to the Philistines that day. Our reading stops just short of all the really good action. Because, see, when we read about David fighting Goliath, we should think of Jesus fighting the devil. But there's other people in the battle. There's the rest of those Israelites. There's all the brothers of David. There's all the rest of the soldiers. And that's where we come into the story. And so I wish that the reading would go on to describe how the Israelites, when they saw David, when they finally saw someone stand up to Goliath and put him in his place, all of a sudden, they got some courage. And it's the same for you today. Lent 
is for fighters. Lent is for the renewal of courage. Lent in Lent, we see our champion Jesus Christ going out before us and saying, all right, guys, now come along. Let's go, boys. Let's go take the field. Jesus Christ calls you into his army. That's what it means to be a Christian, by the way. You are a little Christ. You are anointed with the same spirit who anointed Jesus, the same spirit that rushed on David. You are made little Davids. You are little beloveds. And so you are to go out and do little David things. The fight of Lent calls for you to join Jesus in his battle, to join Jesus in his victory. But the thing about fighting is that it can be rather confusing, can't it? There's a term that gets used by, um, you know, people who fight. I've never been in the army, but people who've actually seen battle talk about the fog of war. They say that when you're in battle, it's really kind of confusing what's all going on. That's why it's important to have a commander. It's important to have people who are planning out where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. The fight of Lent calls for you to take up arms. But since the fog of war is thick all around us, we need to have some clarity before we go rushing in. See, if David would have rushed into battle with a sword and with a spear, he would have gotten knocked silly. But David had clarity. David knew that his strength, his hope for victory against Goliath was not in a sword, was not in the power of his own arm, but came from above. You also need to know where your power comes from. You need to know who your real enemy is and what his tactics are. And you need to know what your place is in the battle so that you don't get the wrong idea. So start first with your enemy. You need to understand who your real enemy is so that you don't get caught up in friendly fire. Your enemy is not the people sitting here around you. And your enemy is not even the people who are out there in the world around us. Your enemy is no one less than the devil himself. And you need to know how his tactics work. First of all, the devil is going to try to attack your faith, right? This is maybe the obvious one. He's going to try to get you to doubt your heavenly father, just like he tried to with Jesus. He's going to come at you and say, if you really are a beloved child of God, if you really are a little David, then should you have to suffer or shouldn't you have it all? Should you really have to go hungry? Should you really have to have weakness in this world? Should you have to have a boring, ordinary, normal kind of life? Or shouldn't God be doing lots of exciting and new and marvelous kinds of things for you? In all of these ways, he tries to drive a wedge between you and your heavenly father. Don't fall for his tactics. Look how Jesus goes again and again against the devil by simply quoting God's word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You shall serve the Lord God, and him only shall you serve. When the devil tries to get you to doubt God's word, he does you a favor because he drives you back to the same word. So take up that word against your enemy. But remember, that's not the only thing he's going to attack against you. For as much as the devil is going to try to drive a wedge between you and your heavenly father, he's also going to attack the holy life of love. And maybe this is the more pernicious one of the devil's attacks. He will try to drive a wedge between you 
and your neighbor, between you and your husband or wife, between you and your children, between you and your friends, between you and your fellow church members here in this place, between you and the people who God has put all around you in your life. He's going to magnify their sins against you. Can you believe what he said? He's going to magnify their faults. Can you believe how weak they are? He's going to magnify all of their problems so that instead of loving them, instead of forgiving them, instead of putting up with them, instead of being patient and gentle with them, you would strike out against them. And then, then what does the old devil do? Then he accuses you. Don't fall for his tactics. The people around you are not your enemies. Do they have faults? Absolutely. Will they sin against you? Just as much as you will against them. Do they have failures? Of course they do. But this is why God has given you the word of forgiveness, to speak to them. The forgiveness of Jesus is not your sole property. It does not belong to you. It is to be used like salt. That means liberally. Use it as much as possible. Put it on everything. Put it on your husband. Put it on your wife. Put it on your children. Put it on your church members. Put it on your friends. Put it on your neighbors. Salt everybody. Salt the earth with the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has won for you. And then the devil's lies will not be able to penetrate to you. Secondly, you need to know what your role is in the fight. It's important that you know that Jesus is your champion so that you realize that you are not the champion. You are not the Lord Jesus. You are not the Christ. Isn't that good news? So don't act like it. It's not up to you to save the world. It's not up to you to win every battle. It is up to you to take your place in the army. It is up to you to fight where you have been placed. It is up to you to believe the promises God has given you. It is up to you to love the people God has put around you. So often we get this wrong, don't we? We want the big victories. We want the big revival. We want the big conquerings. But start where God has called you. Start with your own heart. Start with your own family. Start with your own friends. Learn to fight in these little places. Learn to win these little battles over sin. And then perhaps God will call you up to bigger battles. Then you can go out and you can conquer the world for the name of Jesus. And my goodness, I hope that all of you do. But if you don't learn to fight the small battles, if you cannot be faithful with a little, then who are we kidding? Do we really think we will be faithful in much? If we can't come to church week after week and put up with the same pastor week after week and hear the same words week after week and sing the same hymns week after week, are we really going to conquer our country for Jesus? Are we really going to go out into the world and win great battles? Start with the little things. Start with the small things. Start with regular, old, boring church attendance. And you know what you'll find? Here's the wonderful thing. Regular, old, boring church attendance is the most exciting thing in the world. This place is the most special place in the world, for in this place, our Lord Jesus comes to us on the battlefield, and he wins our hearts again and again. In this place, he does away with our sin. In this place, he shines his light into the darkness. Those little things have a way of adding up, too, by the way. It's been said that we always overestimate what we can do in one year, and we underestimate what we can do in five years. Isn't that so true, spiritually speaking, as well? 
We underestimate the little things like coming to church. We underestimate the little things like talking with the people in our pews. We underestimate the little things like showing up, like singing hymns, like speaking the creed. But you know what? Over a lifetime, those things add up. Over a lifetime, it is the simple acts of love. Over a lifetime, it is the simple life of faith that adds up and conquers the evil one, puts him in his place. Against those simple things, the devil stands no chance. It's not a fair fight for him, because here's the wonderful thing. You have been given such tremendous weapons. You have to know who your enemy is. You have to know what your role in the fight is, and you have to know what the weapons are that we wield. The weapons that Jesus has given to his church are his holy word and the sacraments. Here are the weapons that destroy the devil. Here are the weapons that sink into his forehead and cause him to fall flat on his face. When the word of Jesus is spoken to you, make no mistake, a sling is thrown into hell. When the word is spoken and received by you, when you add your amen to those words, your sins are forgiven, the devil cannot do anything against you. When you come up to this altar and you kneel down to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, what can the devil do against that? It's not fair, is it? It's not fair for him. But who cares? We don't want a fair fight with the devil, do we? So don't try to avoid the weapons. Don't come into this place and think, well, that word is for someone else. That's for the really bad sinners, not for me. That's for everybody else and not for me. Take these things to heart. Take to heart that your Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins. Take to heart that his word of forgiveness is meant to be heard by you and about those sins that are in your mind this morning. Take to heart that his body is given for you and now to you. Take to heart that he wants his blood shed for you on the cross to be poured into your heart. Your Lord Jesus wants you to fight with him, and so he wants to be with you as well. Lent is for fighters. Make no mistake about it. We've got a champion, Jesus Christ, and his Holy Spirit has brought us into the army. And you in this place are surrounded by a bunch of warriors. They may not look like much. David didn't. They may not look like they know all that much. David didn't. They may not look like world beaters. David didn't. But he was and you are. What did Jesus say about his church? Against you, the gates of hell will not endure. Didn't Jesus say that? Was he joking? Was he just kidding? Was he pretending? Is that what we do in church? Do we come here and pretend? Are we reenactors in a battle? Absolutely not. Jesus was not pretending. Jesus wasn't LARPing. He, was, he meant it, and he means it for you this day as well. So take up the weapons. Face down your enemy. Look to your champion, Jesus Christ. Know that in him the victory has been won and that he has called you to plunder, to plunder. What a joyous calling. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.